Hello and welcome to We've Made It, a new podcast all about crafting. Discover your next craft project. In each episode, we'll be chatting about our latest makes, talking about common craft problems and how to fix them. Plus, we have some really exciting guests coming up soon. I can't wait to share those with you. I hope you enjoy the episode. On with the show. Welcome to We've Made It, a new podcast brought to you by Gather.how. First, I think we've probably had better introduce ourselves. So, Zoe, can you tell us who you are? Yeah. Hi, I'm Zoe, Zoe Williams. I am the editor of Gather.how, which is a big jam-packed multi-craft website full of free patterns and tutorials and help and advice for basically makers of every shape and size. So we have projects for knitters, crocheters, sewing fans, paper crafters. Yeah, it's basically a huge one-stop shop for crafters. And I'm also your co-host on the We've Made It podcast. Yes. And so what would you say your main crafts are? Okay. So I probably, like many people, have usually five or six different crafts on the go at any one time. But I do have a main love. My main love at the moment is quilting. So I took up quilting, took up quilting, it's quite an old fashioned term. I first started making quilts about six years ago. I was pregnant with my daughter Eve at the time. And it's just something I'd always wanted to do, like really for about 20 years. And I had worked on quilting magazines before. I'd actually edited a beginner's guide to quilting at one point. So I had all this like free expertise. So I thought, oh, I'm just going to do it. And I took myself through and taught myself how to make a quilt with various uh, magazines and YouTube videos. And I've been doing it ever since, really. So I, I have about six or seven quilts on the go at any one time. I always, Six or seven? Yeah, I know, right? I always resolve that I will finish some of them before I start a new one. And yet last year in lockdown, of course, I started a new one. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'm mainly quilting at the moment. And, yeah, I also do dabble in cross-stitch, crochet, all sorts of other things. And, yeah, how about you, Sarah? Yes, so I am a digital editor. I also work on Gathered. I'm also digital editor for Calm Moment, which is a, a mindfulness website. Lots of lovely stuff on there. And this is not my first podcast. I think it's actually my third now. You're such a pro. <laughs> yes. So previously, you might have heard me on the In The Moment magazine podcast, which is going to be relaunching soon. And I'll share a bit of info about that when it happens. So in terms of my background, I have worked for a few different craft magazines, I've worked for Papercraft Inspirations. I've done a bit of stuff on Project Calm and, of course, in the Moment magazine as well. And I would say I'm a bit of a dabbler, so I've tried quite a few different crafts. I would say I'm probably a beginner in quite a lot of them. But mm. my main craft, I would say, is crochet, which I actually taught myself using Simply Crochet magazine. Good so tutorials. I, it, it shows you how good it is because it's got all the stuff you need. And should I would we, say, oh, I was going to say, should we maybe add that um, in case you don't know this, if you're listening, we where we work on gathered.how, we also work alongside a load of other sister magazines, which is why, for example, Simply Crochet, Simply Sewing, Molly Makes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So we do that. So, um, but yeah, I'd say, like I said, crochet is my, my main craft. 
But I would also say that I'm quite into arts as well. So I'm really, I do a lot of uh, lino cut printing. I love your lino cuts. Which is really fun. Uh, Eventually, I'm sure I'm going to have my own Etsy shop and sell my prints. But at the moment, I'm making them just, just for fun. But it's really creative and I would highly recommend it. And sometimes I do a little bit of painting and stuff as well as that. Can I ask, when did you when did you learn lino cutting? Like, is it recent or? Um, I've been doing it for a couple of years now. I did uh, an evening class, which taught me most of the basics. And I've got a bit more into it since then. And so I have bought some nice carving tools and that kind of thing. Oh, um, but you can do it fairly cheaply. You can get the tools. You can get wood carving tools, which will do the job for about £10. Yeah, because so. I remember doing it at school, and um, but in recent years, there's such beautiful like like lino printing and cutting that I see, yeah. including yours. Yeah, I think it's a bit of a growing trend. Mm. I think more people are trying it, more people are taking it up. Although I would say if you are going to do it, don't go for one of those cheap kits because they don't tend to work very well. And mm. you'll just end up getting frustrated and you'll give up. So worth getting some good tools, definitely. Good tip. I will be li- I will be taking it when I try lino cutting at some point. Yes, it's on my wish list. And um, and I'm sure actually by the time this comes out, I will have uploaded a guide to the website. So oh, yeah, you'll be able to learn from all of my expertise and probably mistakes as well. I'm actually which, really excited. There are a few. Well, not not about the, your mistakes, but we'll get into that a bit later. But um, I'm excited. We'll have some lino cutting stuff on the website. You really love. Yes. Yes, so we will, we will have a beginner's guide, and then hopefully over time we'll have some actual projects which you can you can copy if you like or adapt for your own purposes. Hopefully, yeah. Watch this space. Yes, watch this space. <laughs> and I think we were talking about mistakes, and that is sort of the theme of this particular podcast. Our theme today is crafting disasters, and I think we've both got some good stories, haven't we? Yeah, I was really excited when um, we talked about this theme because what we didn't mention in the intro is that while Sarah is a podcast pro and very experienced, this is my first ever podcast today. So um, I was obviously a little bit nervous, but when when we were like, let's do crafting disasters for the first one, I just thought brilliant because it's just such a natural natural thing to talk about uh, because I have so many stories to share as I think most of us do that's quite universal things go wrong sometimes things definitely go wrong and I think every crafter has got a story at least one of when things have not gone to plan or didn't look like the picture yeah I love it like the whole I don't know if you've seen the Pinterest fails yes Uh, it's just so joyous to see that there are more of us out there (laughs) many more of us Yes. So shall I start with one of my own fails? Please do. Yes, please. Yeah. Yes. So a a couple of years back, I was making a a big crochet baby blanket for one of my work colleagues. And I spent a really long time working on it. It was made up of really big squares, which I say was would be about 20 centimetres by 20 centimetres. So quite large. Yeah. I can see you hold, Zoe's yeah. holding up her hands basically to measure it with her hands. It's quite big. And these squares took a really long time to do. So I, I'd done all of my squares, stitched them all together. And I was just sewing in the ends. And as I went in to trim a stray piece of yarn, I cut through the block. And I still to this day don't know how I did it. 
I was going to say, how did, what, like, you were like, snip, oh no, I've just cut through a whole crochet block. Yep. Oh my God. Maybe you so don't know I, your own strength. Are you like super, you like the Hulk. No, I think I was in a, like a, a slightly distracted, maybe I was watching TV because I quite often watch TV when I'm crocheting. And I think I just absentmindedly snipped through it. And the oh, moment, Sarah. it was just a horror when I realised that I'd done it. It was awful. <laughs> and I think I kind of budged it and, and somehow managed to sew it back together. But it was that moment when I'd so nearly finished. Oh, yeah. And I don't think the person I gave it to ever noticed. I'm impressed I that you knew. could fix that. Well, I kind of fudged it a little bit. If you looked closely, you would have seen it. It was wrong. <laughs> um <laughs> There was, but there wasn't a gaping hole, which was the main thing. Oh, that's a sad, yeah. sad tale. I actually, I know. oh, go on. And my um, sister has a similar one, actually. When okay. she was a, a beginner, a uh, crochet beginner, because she also does a lot of crochet, she made a very large blanket. And at the time, she didn't know the right way to weave in the ends. And so after a while, the blanket just began to unravel. Oh, which I think must have been really gutting because I think she spent hours on it and she just didn't know that what you were meant to do. Do you know what? There must off. be there must be millions of crochet blankets around the world who which have suffered the same fate. Mustn't there? Yes, she I'm can't sure. be the first or the last to make that mistake. Yes, Zoe, do you have some stories? Oh yes, of course. So I have so many stories that it's more of a case of which one do I tell you first and. Uh, yeah, so we could go with a yarny one to start, so I didn't just talk about quilting the whole time. Uh, this is one of my, like, I mean, I've made a lot of stuff over the years since I was uh, about 13. No, younger than that. Anyway, but this time was possibly my worst looking craft project ever. So I was given for Christmas, you know, one of those lovely, I know you're saying about kits, but they're quite nice as a gift sometimes. And someone gave me a, a knitted hat like um, a bobble hat kit for Christmas, one Christmas day. It's quite a few years ago now. And I was like, oh, that looks really nice. And it looks like a really nice thing that I could just do while so I was visiting my parents at the time, I was a bit younger. And so I was like, right, I'm going to crack open this kit. What a treat. I can make my own hat. And it's all the yarns measured out and sorted out for me. And it wasn't too complicated. It was just like knit and purl. Um, no sort of like charts to follow. So I start making this hat and I loved it. I like, didn't put it down like the whole of Christmas and Boxing Day. And I sort of finished it. And I was like, oh, I've made amazing. And I should add, I've always been a bit rubbish at casting on and off. Like I'm not the neatest. I'm not naturally a very neat crafter. And that really shows when I knit. So I finished this hat and it had like this really wobbly, like edge to it. And I put it on and it just looked, I was like, mm, does it look a bit weird? I thought, no, I'm sure it just looks really cool, Scandi chic. So I walked over um, around the corner, around the block to my um, childhood best friend's house for a little catch up. And uh, she opened the door and she just burst out laughing. And I was like, why are you laughing? Is it is the hat bad? And she was like, I'm sorry, I can't pretend it is like awful. And it, well, when I looked in the mirror, I was like, it looked like a, a tea cozy, a hungover tea cozy. Like it just didn't suit me. It didn't look good. And I was like, I spent so long on it. And it's actually really put me off knitting hats. Wow, but I've I think never tried since. But I think good friends are honest with you, though, and they they tell you when things look bad. I know, uh, <laughs> exactly. She's normally very nice to me. I should add, uh, your good friends are honest to you. But so a lot of the stories we'll talk about today are when we've actually made a, a mistake in quilting, or other people have, or crafting. When we so a lot of the stories that we're going to talk today 
about today are about when you've made a mistake. But that is just one where the whole thing, there was the idea of it in my head and then there was the reality of it. Like it's a bit like that, you know, that trend, how it started, how it's going with the pictures. Yes. I feel like you could do that with a lot of craft projects. The, how it was going to look, how it actually looks. Yeah, I mean, and I think you can look back at things you made when you were learning to craft. Oh, and yeah. you're, you're like, well, this this is the first thing I made and I was proud of it, but it doesn't really look great, does it? No, because you do naturally, the more you the more you make something and practice something, the more fine-tuned you get to it, don't you? So definitely when I look at my early quilts, they're pretty ropey. Yeah, and but... certainly like with... Particularly, I think when I've done card making in the past, I've had this image in my head of how I wanted it to look. And it hasn't quite... I tend to have very big ideas, but what I struggle with is the execution. <laughs> execution. And also, I, I imagine card making is almost one of the hardest ones to... You can't unpick. Like, can you? Like, once you've rubber stamped, you can't then unstamp it. Like, you've just got to do it again. Or it's not like with crochet where you could be like, oh, I'll just I'll go back a few stitches. Like, you've no, committed... It- and you can make a real mess of it with with glue and that kind of thing. It can end up being a nightmare. I made one card where I put too much on the front and it just fell over. <laughs> <laughs> it was not good. I have to say I have improved since then, but yeah. I, I I was over ambitious with what I wanted to put on the front of it. I mean, glue could be one of the biggest sources of paper craft fails, couldn't it? Because, I mean, have we all been there where you end up with like the PVA, like gross bits of oh. PVA? Like maybe like in little, our early days. Like little bogeys. Yeah, you know, like, and then when I, so me and Sarah have this thing in common that, don't we, that we both used to work on Papercraft Inspirations magazine, but at different times. And at, at my peak of paper crafting, I had like 10 different adhesives, you know, for the right thing. I had a glue pen and I had, um, you know, like lacquer adhesives that had a, a beautiful finish on them for certain things. But obviously when you start out, you just have basically PVA and a pit, pit stick. I know. And then after a while, you move on to things like little foam pads. And... Oh, foam pads. <laughs> oh, foam pads. The most useful, possibly, of all the paper craft supplies. I feel like they're a secret that you only know if you make cards. I know. And then once you make cards, like you never make a flat card again. Once once you discover foam pads, you never go back. Yes. It's my I'm sure, I'm sure any card makers listening will probably agree with that. <laughs> uh, so, but craft fails... You've got do you some want to more? Do, oh, yeah. Shall I do one? Okay. So I'm going to... So as I mentioned, there's quite a few different ones to choose from here. And there are lots like the times I've cross-stitched things to my top, to my clothes by accident, numerous. The times I've left needles lying around on the sofa or pins, like my other half yeah. is constantly like, what's this doing here? But um, some of my bigger ones are probably around when I started out quilting. So as I said, I was self-taught and... I uh, I don't know if you've made a quilt, but it has stages. So you make the quilt top and then you make a quilt sandwich, which I love that phrase, with the wadding and the backing. And then you quilt it all together. And so I, and the quilting it all together is always my most, I find it the technically trickiest bit because the fab, there's lots that can go wrong. Like the fabric can pucker, get the tension wrong. But so I was, I was doing it and I was really proud with myself. You know, the first time you master something that you were previously scared of, you're like, yes, check yes. me out, winning at life. So I'm like quilting this quilt and I finished it all. It was quite a big quilt. Um, it's sort of a lap quilt, size of a length of a sofa. And then, and then I turned it over and I discovered that on the, I hadn't occurred to me to check the colour of my bobbin thread. 
And it was a Christmas quilt. I remember it was like, I'm going to make this heirloom family thing. And the underside of it was all like black thread on a red um, backdrop. And because I was new to quilting, it was really messy. And I I had this dilemma of like, okay, you know, I'd spent seven hours quilting it. (laughs) Oh, God. And I was like, do I leave it? Because it was an heirloom quilt. I was like, this is going to come out every Christmas for life. And every Christmas I'm going to see this quilting on the back of it. And so in the end I unpicked for many, many an evening. I unpicked the whole thing and had to quilt it again. Yeah. Oh, that's so frustrating. I mean, I think I've had similar things when I've been crocheting. I think actually when I was making some of those big blocks that I mentioned before, I had a couple of instances where I think I missed a stitch in one of the early rounds, maybe round three. And then I would get to round nine when it suddenly became important to have the right number of stitches and realised that I'd messed up and have to pull it all back. And I think that is the most frustrating thing when you've gone that far and it's taken you ages. Yeah. To then have to go back. Do you find you have that internal dilemma of, do I just try and fudge it and keep going? Or, you know, like, which which approach am I going to take? Am I just going to be like, can I fix it? Um, Yeah, but I I find, like, sometimes you just can't. And... And I think if I'd done it, then I would be looking at it always going, I know that's wrong. I know that's wrong. And so for me, knowing that it's wrong would be worse. Yeah. So I have to go back and, and fix Unpick. it. Unpick. I wonder how many mm. hours of our lives, and also for everyone listening, we have spent unpicking over the years. Like if you added it up. I think more than I'd like to think about, to be honest. Surely, like, can you, across the craft community, it must be, like, centuries or something has been spent. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure. Rage unpicking, which I know I've definitely done. Shall we have a look at some more stories? Yes. So I, so we, I have some that have been sent to me. Yeah, so we put a call out, didn't we? Before we did this, we thought we won't just talk about ourselves. We will also ask around. So friends, family, um, people who follow Gathered Online and see what stories everyone else has to share. So we thought it'd be fun to share a few of those. Yes. So this is one from Louise. She says, way back in my early days of knitting, it hadn't occurred to me that if you knitted a pure wool hat, washed it and popped it in the tumble dryer, you'd end up with a baby hat. Oh, teeny tiny hat. Lesson learned. I actually, just thinking about it, I had a flatmate who did something similar with an Angora sweater. (laughs) And um, we ended up putting it on a teddy bear because it had shrunk that much. Uh, Angora wool must be quite expensive as well, I imagine. Like, yes. just to add insult to injury. Yes, she was put out, to put it mildly. Oh, tiny knits. Yeah, so I've, I've got an, another one here. So okay. this is an, another knitting one. Yeah. So so Sarah, which who I should point out is not me, it's a different Sarah. Okay. She, she says that she ran out of yarn twice while knitting her last jumper project. She says... No idea how I managed to miscalculate so badly and then to immediately do it again. And the shade I was using turned out to be discontinued, so I've ended up with sleeves a different colour to the body. If anyone asks, I'm pretending it was deliberate. Oh, no, the old shades mismatch. Yes, I've been there with cross-stitch where I was cross-stitching like a big block of blue for the sea on a design. And I was quite new and I went into a shop and thought, innocently thought, oh, I'll just get anchor instead of DMC, you know, which... I had brought a sample to check and in the shop it looked fine. But when you stitch it, it is quite obvious, isn't it? Like if the shades are quite different. Yeah. Although I do wonder if it's one of those things though where maybe you notice, but other people might not. Yes. 
Or certainly with the jumper thing with the different sleeves, you could just pretend that's colour blocking, couldn't you? Because colour blocking has been quite trendy in recent years. Yeah, so there there are ways to fudge it. And I certainly think <laughs> if you're doing like, something like card making and you make a bit of a slip, you can usually hide it with an embellishment of some kind. A sticky and I think foam that, pad. <laughs> a sticky foam pad, yeah. A little, a little gem or a ribbon or something like that. There's, there's ways to hide things. A bit harder with a um, garment, knitted garment. Yes, it is much harder with a garment. <laughs> Um, I've got a really good one from one of our team, the Gathered team. Shall we yes. try that one? Um, so this is from Charlotte, who is uh, a big cat lover and cat owner. And well, she's not big. She just really loves her cats. Anyway, she uh, <laughs> she was, I don't know how she managed this, but it's very, I sort of think it's sort of very Charlotte because it's quite like spectacular. So she was making hemming some curtains and she somehow, and when she says somehow, I'm really intrigued by how this is even possible. She sewed a catnip toy into the hem. Now, like, how? I've how? So, so many questions about this story. Like, how big was the hem? How big was the catnip toy? Did it just fall into the hem? Many. So we need a bit of follow-up background on this one. Anyway, the cats ended up pulling the curtain rail off the wall in their excitement. I love it. Wow. Yeah. I, I, I'm still stuck on how. And also, you know, again, if anyone's listening and you have had a similar experience where you have accidentally put catnip into something, please do get in touch and tell us. I need to hear that. Pet related craft mishaps. (gasps) Pet related craft mishaps. There must be so many. Yes. That could be a future podcast theme in itself. Yes. And actually on that topic, if anybody who's listening has any craft disaster stories, then we would really like to hear them. So you can find Gathered, we're on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. We'd really like to hear your mishaps. And maybe we'll share some if we get some good ones. We do. And when we say we really want to hear them, we mean sort of in a a light-hearted, we're all in it together way, not in a ha-ha-ha, we will laugh at your misfortune way. Like, we'll laugh with you, not at you. Yes. I mean, if you're able to laugh at it, (laughs) then we can as well. (laughs) We're not laughing at you. We're laughing with you. Exactly. Problem shared, etc. Um, Charlotte actually had another great one, which was that she made a doorstop for a friend. She doesn't clarify how big the doorstop was, which I am also curious about. But she, when she gave it to her friend, her friend thought it was one of those bean bags, you know, that you warm up in the microwave and it will, like helps you with your aches and pains and just it's really cozy. So she warmed up this doorstep and the plastic beads inside melted and ruined the whole microwave. No. She put it in the microwave and it, yeah, wrecked her, um, wrecked her kitchen. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I think maybe if you're giving a gift like that, you ought to explain what it is. I mean, how did she think? How I did know. you get this confusion between a doorstop and a one of those heat bags? I don't I know. know. <laughs> we'll have to see if she's got a picture of it so we can clarify how the confusion happened. But maybe that's a good lesson that can be learned. Always label your craft makes just to be clear what it is. Or maybe check with the person who gave it to you before you stick it in the microwave. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I always intend to put those labels on my quilts that say like how you can wash it and everything and made with love. I never get around to it. Oh, I have got, a, can I share one of mine before we go back to other people's? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, because actually it does relate a little bit um, to this in terms of kitchen stuff. So I I once made my biggest ever quilt, which was for my brother's 40th birthday. And I really put a lot, I really slaved over this quilt because he and his wife have a really lovely, beautiful house. So I researched it on the sly and made it all match with their house which is very modern and like modern geometric so I made this quilt that was like um, basically big quilt blocks big half square triangles of very 
plain um, solid color fabric. So like you'd have white and then a shade of gray and white and a shade of mustard. So there's a lot of white on this quilt. And it was a queen size quilt, which is the biggest quilt I'd ever made. And it's a real beast to quilt a queen size quilt on a domestic sewing machine. And I did it and I finished it and I was like, this is amazing. And then I looked down at it and I'd somehow scattered red wine drops all over it, right? I don't what? remember spilling red wine on it. I probably was drinking red wine at the time because I do quite a lot of crafting with wine. But I was like, I couldn't believe it. I'd made this like my basically my finest crowning achievement in quilting and I covered it in red wine. So I had to no. yeah, wash it. And you think like red wine is probably one of the worst, the worst things you can get on. on a white fabric. You know, when, and also you can't unpick that stage once you've finished and bound the quilt. You it's, you can't really unpick that. Did you manage to get it out? I think I got it out. Like I think I could still see a faint. Like if I was to look at it, I would have been like, I can see where it happened. But because it was such a large quilt, they didn't notice. But then don't you find you always notice your own craft mistakes? Like when you look at your thing you've made, you can see all the things. But the person, the recipient can't necessarily yeah, I think that's a th- uh, it is a bit of a thing because I would look at it and go, well, I can see that's wrong. And I think we were talking about this earlier. The, te- the temptation is that you want to almost point it out to them, but maybe yes. you shouldn't. <laughs> yeah, craft apologists. Are there any others listening? Like when you do that thing where you give someone something and then you go, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Like I've made it, but it's not quite right here and the mitered corners aren't quite accurate. Or like, do, do others do that? I know I've got a couple of friends that do do that if they make me something. And I'm just like, I'm just delighted they've made me something by hand. I'm like, it's the most lovely thing. But to them, they're like, straight away point out every tiny error. Yeah, and I think we can be quite hard of ourselves because I think if we wanted to give something that was immaculate and perfect, then we'd just buy it in a shop and give it to them. Absolutely. So I think actually part of the beauty of a a handmade thing, a gift, is that it is not entirely perfect. Yeah, my mum always used to say that to me. I thought she was just humouring me because of the amount of mistakes I made. But um, now I'm older, I do appreciate that. It's so true. Your mum's always right, I think. Yeah, they're very wise. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And talking about mums, I do have a story of my my mums, which I, oh, okay. <laughs> I will tell you. Uh, this is more of a crafting accident rather than a disaster. So when my, when my, my mum was pregnant, this is a long time ago, with one of my younger sisters... And she was knitting lots of things for them, little baby cardigans, stuff like that. And when she was done, she would just throw everything in a carrier bag. And one time she, I think, reached into the bag and the knitting needle caught in her wrist. (gasps) Ah, what? Yeah. And um, I I should point out that there wasn't any blood or anything. It somehow didn't hit any arteries or anything (laughs) like that. (laughs) She, She was okay. And weirdly, she actually had high blood pressure at the time because she was pregnant. And the next week when she went into hospital, her blood pressure had gone down. Oh, my God. So I, w- I would say, like, don't try this at home. This is not, <laughs> this is not a way to lower, lower your blood pressure. But bizarrely, it, it seemed to have done something The restorative something power of getting stabbed with a knitting needle. Yeah, I mean, and I do actually have another knitting accident story. Okay. So I'm going to share this with you. So this one is sent in Sarah, and I should by Sarah and I should again say this is not me this is another Sarah honest <laughs> so it's a friend. this is what's it's a it's a friend it's not me so she says I did actually manage to seriously stab myself with some needles during a vigorous bout of knitting 
And then she's used the little screaming face emoji. She and said she had out. it bandaged for around two weeks. Oh. So, I mean, there's again, there's a lot of questions with this story. I don't know, how do you vigorously knit? How do you measure vigorous? Well, uh, my mother-in-law, when she knits, you don't see her hands move. So, yeah. Or maybe do you think when you knit of a, and you're in a certain mindset, you knit more vigorously? Like you've had a really bad day, you like take it out. Oh, no, it's the opposite, isn't it? That you unwind with your knitting. But yeah, vigorous. Yes. Vigorous How is vigorous. an interesting word. Yes, Love exactly. It. There must yes. be a lot of stories of people getting stabbed with need- knitting and, and stitch embroidery needles as well. I mean, I used to work on Cross Stitcher magazine years ago and we used to do top tips about how to get the blood out of your fabric like it is quite a and at the time I was like why would you need to do that and they were like in case you stab yourself with a needle and of course yeah. I have actually since then got blood on things from you know yeah um, doing I mean and it is because of that it's not because cross stitches are off murdering no. <laughs> people <laughs> they don't need to murder people because they're so calm from all of the slow stitching they're doing yeah I think <laughs> I could learn from that I I have I have to say, I've always struggled a little bit with cross-stitch because I'm not quite patient enough. A lot of I people like to, say that about cross-stitch. I like to see quick results and I don't think cross-stitch gives you that. So I think you have to be like quite a patient person to be good at cross-stitch. But it's funny you say that because I'm not, I'm not a patient person at all. The opposite. You should see me in a queue. However, like I love cross-stitch. Like I've been doing it since I was, yeah, so I started cross-stitch when I was 13 and and I just find it, and I think maybe that's why we make craft mistakes. The reason I love cross stitch is because it's so meditative. Like when you start stitching or knitting or whatever it is that you're making, you, you almost get in a bit of a trance, like don't you? You just, you know, you sort of unwind with it, and and then that's that's when you then go into autopilot and things things go wrong. They do go wrong, and I think that may be why I had a bit of a lino cutting accident. So <laughs> does it also involve um, blood? <laughs> It it does, it does. So yeah, so when you're doing lino cutting, you have these carving tools, which are quite sharp. And I was always taught that you carve away from yourself. Very sensible. Yeah. The only thing is that sometimes when you're carving, sometimes the lino can be a bit tough, if, especially if it's cold. If it's cold weather, it can be quite hard to carve. And so I was carving away one day and the tool slipped and I managed to stab myself in the hand. Oh. <laughs> which really hurt. Yeah, right. Oh, and, I bet you did. And I would say if you are doing lino cut printing, it's a good idea to have a packet of plasters. And also always cut away from yourself. Don't do what I did. I love how this is turning into our tips for how to avoid doing things wrong like we did. <laughs> yes, learn learn from my painful mistake. Oh, I would also Sarah. say the kind of non-slip mats as well that you use for cooking. Those are very useful if you're doing printmaking because you can stick your lino on it and it won't move. And you are less likely to stab yourself. And you won't stab yourself like I did. I'm just trying to think of what what are the easiest and hardest crafts to hide your sins with. I don't know because I I mean I always feel like if it's crochet that I can fix it, but for me knitting is something of a mystery. I've given it a go, but if something goes wrong with knitting, I feel like it's you know like when you're trying to do a hard equation and you don't quite know how it's meant to work. Yeah, that is knitting yeah. for me. It is a mystery. There is definitely an alchemy to knitting, I think. I find it's quite almost quite scientific in places. I struggle to unpick knitting as well, like to find my way back through a pattern. Maybe we should have an article on that, tips for troubleshooting your knitting. Ooh. Yes. We really should. In fact, one of my stories from other people is from a similar art. So we have an article up which is quilting mistakes and how to avoid them. Uh, it's on gathered.how if you want to read more. But 
Um, this had a load of different stories from across different writers and designers who worked on Love Patchwork and Quilting in today's Quilter magazine. But there were a few good ones there. So I thought oh, maybe I would share one of those. Ooh. Yes, please. So this was Laura, my friend Laura, who is technical editor or deputy editor, I think, on today's Quilter. So this was her craft fail. I shall read out. My second ever quilt was the first large one I'd spent weeks making, and I was so proud of it. It had some kind of purple brushed cotton in the borders. I hadn't pre-washed it. We shall talk, discuss pre-washing in a bit. So when it was laundered, the colour bled a little into the neighbouring white. After reading some blogs and forums, I brought a colour bleed remover and soaked the whole quilt in a bathtub with it. However, when I went to check after a few minutes, all of the purple and pink shades in the quilt had been bleached out to ugly orange and yellow colours. I shed a few tears over that one. Oh, Laura. Like, I can't imagine, like, that is definitely, there's no one picking going to get you out of that situation. No, I mean, I think I would, I would definitely be in tears if that happened to me. (laughs) But, but also it just seems like in trying to fix one problem that you've made it worse. Uh, Again, laughing with you, not at you, Laura. Like, yeah, sending you love, Laura. uh, yeah, and it's interesting when she says she shed a few tears. I wonder how many of us have cried because our craft has gone that badly wrong. Like, if you've committed a long time to something and you're quite tired anyway, probably oh, quite yeah, a few of us. I'm sure a lot of people have. And, of course, tell us on social media if you have. We we do want to hear all of your stories. What has reduced disasters. you to tears, yeah, that you have crafted? Yes, we want to hear tears, and we also want to hear the ones that are now. Hopefully you can look back at, at and laugh. Oh, and about, also, uh, yeah, and also maybe what lessons you've learned. Like, oh yeah, what have you learned from doing things wrong? Yes, Many I mean, things. I have pre-wash your I fabric. Have, absolutely, pre-wash your fabric. That's a really good tip, actually. Um, do you want to explain it for people who don't know? Oh yeah, so um, pre-washing fabric. It's interesting because of my friends that also make quilts. We're a bit divided. Like half of us are like, oh, I don't bother with that. I just make the quilt, or not just quilts. The same if you make blinds or curtains. Um, some people like to pre-wash, some people don't. So the idea is that because when you wash fabric, it shrinks by a certain amount. So if you make sure when you start out that everything has been washed, then when you put it, when once you've finished it, if someone ends up washing it, it's not going to shrink or maybe shrink at different rates as well. So say with a quilt, you have two fabrics and one shrinks slightly differently, it's going to pucker it. So I'm a big advocate for pre-washing. Um, I think someone told me once not to do it with upholstery fabric for curtains, though, because it takes the sheen off. Uh, oh. But yeah, so I certainly always pre-wash now. And especially when I hear stories like that about uh, what can go what can go wrong if you don't. Yes, definitely. That is a real lesson, that one. <laughs> I have so many. Well, yeah, like always check the bobbin colour of your quilt. Yeah, many. So okay. shall we move on to talking about our favourite craft project of the week? Yes. So I've got one. Have you got one ready? I have one too. So this is a regular segment we shall be discussing at the end of the We've Made It podcast. Yes. Do you want to go first? Oh, yes. Yeah, I'll go first. So so this project is one that I've been eyeing up on the website for a while and it's on my list of things to make. And I'm sure everybody has like a list of, of things that they're going to make. And this one is a large crochet donut cushion pattern by Laura Rosanto, which comes from Molly Makes magazine. And I really love it because these cushions are just so big and colourful and they're really fun and they've got little sprinkles on them. So, so cute. And I just love the idea, the fact that you could have like a few of them scattered around and make (laughs) your house look like some 
It would look like some crazy cartoon bakery is what I, I think it would look like. It would look um, like something out of The Simpsons. Oh, absolutely. That's exactly what they look like. And I would say it doesn't fit. For me, it doesn't fit at all with anything in my house. <laughs> Your aesthetic in any way. It, it really doesn't. It really doesn't. And yet I keep coming back to them and going, I really want, I, I want to make them. Maybe I'll have to make them as gifts for somebody. But it's just... Everyone I'm needs always, a giant donut cushion in their life, I think. It's, yes, it's always in my mind of projects that I want to make, definitely. We should definitely develop our craft baked goods section of the website i'm sure we had we have some uh how to make like softy birthday cakes in simply sewing magazine yes. a while back yeah yeah what what i really want is like a giant crochet wedge of cake i want like a victoria sponge <laughs> you you should do this this is this, it, this should be your year ahead of crafting does it exist or is it a fantasy in my head no i feel like i've seen that definitely Mm. Well, if anybody knows, <laughs> then please tell me. I want to make giant cake. I I support you in that decision. I'm going to encourage you to make this dream happen. It will happen. <laughs> so what about you? What is your favourite project this week? Uh, so my favourite project this week, because I I don't just do quilts, I do a lot of other things as well um, in terms of crafting. And um, I really love, there's a really beautiful paper craft flower garland we have up. I think it used to be Ooh. in Paper Craft Inspirations magazine, or it could have been card making paper craft. Anyway, it's um, really simple. So it's a really easy one for anyone to make. And I'm making it with my children at the moment as well. So it doubles up as a kid craft. It's actually quite stylish. It's really lovely. You just fold these paper flowers. So you could make it as a garland, but you could also make it um, you could make like an archway of it or, you know, fill your fill your wall with flowers. But so I'm making a lot of those at the moment. And it's actually quite a calm project to make with the kids because if theirs look a little bit wobbly, it doesn't really matter because it's sort of a communal effort. Yeah, oh, so I recommend that it. Really lovely. Yeah, look, search the site for Papercraft Flower Garland. And uh... so we will put some links for these in the show notes, but also you can find them if you go over to gather.how and just search for them and you'll find them easily. Yeah, so that's this week's favourite projects. And we were also thought we'd have a chat about what we're enjoying. Or what were you going to call this bit, Sarah? You had a good name for it. It's One Good Thing. One Good Thing. I like this yes. idea. And it doesn't have to be crafty, does it? It can be, but it doesn't have to be. No. So going on again with a bit of a baking theme, my one this week is that I've been making lots of Dorset apple cake. Oh, yeah. Using a brilliant recipe that comes from BBC Good Food magazine. Um, I've made this, I would say, like two or three times now, and it comes out perfectly every single time. So if you're not familiar with it, it's like a nice sponge cake with layered apple. Oh, and you delicious. sprinkle some demerara yep. sugar yeah. on the top. Yes, right before it goes in the oven. And then when it comes out, it almost has caramelized the apple a little bit. And it's a little bit crunchy. It's so good. And I've made it with plums as well. And plums work really well because you get the color of the plum juice like leaking a little bit into the cake. And it oh, is nice. so good. Are you like um, a recipe adapter? Do you like you like add a little personal flair to things? Yeah, I would say almost every recipe I do, I personalise it a little bit or I tweak it. Um, and then I end up with my own version. Yeah, so I mean, I think with this one, I would really, I think it would work really well if you tried it with other fruits as well. So I think in the summer, maybe some peaches would be really good. Do you know what? That's just, just next level baking to me. I'm always like, I follow the recipe like step by step in case I get it wrong. I feel like I'm a little bit rogue with recipes rogue. in the same way I am a little bit with craft. Because <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, when I'm doing crochet things, I never ever do tension. And <laughs> oh, <laughs> so yeah. far, so far, I haven't come unstuck. So for me, it's the same for cooking. I am a bit rogue, and Maybe. will do my own thing. Perhaps we all have a per- craft personality of whether we're a rule breaker or or a a, a pattern follower. Who knows? Yes, yes let us know which which one you are. You know, with Dorset apple cake, there is some discussion of whether it's what's the difference between Dorset and Somerset apple cake. Because I'm from Somerset, and I have had it discussed that you know Dorset apple cake has stolen the Somerset apple cake name, but I don't know if they're actually separate things historically. I think they're basically the same because I know I've been in Somerset. I've been in Somerset and had Somerset apple cake, and it is the same. Okay. Um, so I feel like we could be getting into some intercounty rivalry <laughs> here, which I do. I do not want to be part of. Don't, yeah. Don't commit to which. Okay. I think I need to do some googling after this. After we finish recording this, to confirm, or if someone's listening and knows, what's the story about? Is it Dorset or is it Somerset? I bet we'll get people saying both now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, whichever one it is, it's delicious. And I have, I don't know, I've probably broken with tradition by adding my own fruits. That does sound good. <laughs> I think you should definitely bring some in the next time we're the next time we're in the office together. Yeah. I mean, when there's not a pandemic going on. Yeah. <laughs> that would be good. Lots of, when there's not, a, when there's not a global um, catastrophe, then yeah, I will bring you some cake. <laughs> Well, you've been recorded now saying that, so uh, you'll have to do it. <laughs> I will. Yeah, you can hold me to that. Yeah. Uh, do you want to okay. do mine? My one good thing? Yes. So uh, my one good thing is actually a combination of activities. Two of my favourite activities, which is Netflix and sewing. So this week I have been doing an awful lot of... So this is a bit embarrassing, but I have been binge watching Emily in Paris on Netflix. Um, it's a bit Marmite, so I do not even take this recommendation if you don't like things that are super cheesy and a bit naff but as a tongue-in-cheek watch uh, if you want to watch and just pretend that you live in Paris in your 20s while single and chatting to all these um, attractive people then you should definitely watch Emily in Paris and I've been sitting on the sofa watching it and oh it's also it's also really funny I should add because she like solves all these big problems of these Parisian fashion houses by sort of saying to them hey do you know there's an instagram hashtag for that and then they're like oh my god emily you're a genius so like the power of instagram is amazing so i've been in some english paper piecing while i did watch this uh, amazing show and it's where that's when you wrap fabric scraps around like a, a paper template and then you hand sew them all together and it's like the ultimate soothing slow sewing experience patience wise it does it takes me about three years to finish an, an epp quilt <laughs> So it might not be for you, Sarah, but um, I love it. And so I've been doing a lot of hand stitching on the sofa with Netflix, which is surely one of life's greatest combinations of activities. Yeah, I mean, I've I've had mixed things about Emily <laughs> in Paris. Like I've had some people saying that it's it's just the worst and other people who really love it. But I think maybe it is one of those things where it could be so bad it's good. Yeah, can you, think, and I, can you agree it's the worst while also really enjoying it? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think there's certainly a few films on Netflix which are very much in that category. I mean, any of the Christmas films. A Christmas um, Prince. Is it The Christmas Prince? That's- yes. The, the Christmas Prince trilogy. I have watched all of them. <gasps> have you? Um, I've only seen the first. Okay, it's for this Christmas. Uh, yes. I mean, those ones, you save them up for Christmas because <laughs> they, they are so bad, it's good. And... And and that's probably why I enjoy it because it is so terrible and so cheesy. And I feel like they maybe do it on purpose. 
I keep thinking of new themes for later in the series, um, but about what you like to watch while you're crafting. Do you watch when Ooh. you're crafting or do you listen to podcasts or like obviously anything with subtitles is out. Yes. Um, but yeah. So I'm, like... I'm, yeah, I think that rules out things like um, The Killing or yeah, <laughs> or yeah. any Scandi noir any dramas Scandi-noir. because you, you can't be reading yeah, but I mean, I'm I'm intrigued. What does everyone else watch, or or do they not? Do they prefer to just be screen free? Yes. Who knows? Well, these are all things we can talk about Many in future episodes. To discover. Yes. Yes, so. and of course, if you do want to tell us anything or give us some feedback or have, ask us any questions, then we are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just look for Gathered, and of course, we'd really love it if you can leave reviews for us as well. Any ratings and reviews preferably nice ones please (laughs) (laughs) they all really help to help more people find the podcast which is really important and i hope everybody's enjoyed it have you enjoyed yourself zoe yeah it's been really fun a very good theme for our first one like very enjoyable yes and of course we've got lots more fun stuff coming up and as i said we've got some exciting guests which i mean we'll tell we'll say more about them when we can but for now i think let's keep them to ourselves mystery element to end the podcast thanks for listening to we've made it we really hope you enjoyed our first episode we had a lot of fun recording it and of course we'd love to hear what you think so please do look for gathered on facebook twitter and instagram we'd love to hear from you and we'd also love to hear about any stories you have of your own crafting disasters please do get in touch We'd also really appreciate it if you could leave any ratings or reviews for us on Apple Podcasts because this helps other people to find us. And we're looking forward to sharing our next episode with you soon. See you next week. Bye.